This episode of Future Construct is supported by Applied Software. We would like to thank them so much for supporting us. Uh, Applied Software is really on a mission to transform industries. They empower their clients and champion innovation with real world expert consultants. So to reach them, you go to asti.com, that's A-S-T-I.com, and please tell them that we at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I am Amy Peck. I am your host of Future Construct. And today, I actually have one of my good friends uh, and colleagues, Joanna Popper, who is the global head of go-to-market at HP. Hi, Joanna. Welcome. Hello. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, we haven't seen each other in quite a while, um, yeah. but Joanna and I have not live. Not live. Not live. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about your role at HP to get started. Sure. So thanks for having me here. It's great to be here with you and get a chance to catch up, even if it's even if it's through through a podcast and not not at uh, all the great events we used to go to together and all the great, great fun we used to have together uh, in the previous version of the world. So my name is Joanna Popper and I'm at HP. I've been at HP three years now. I focus on our go-to-market for virtual reality. When I first joined HP, I focused on location-based entertainment. And then about a year and a half ago, I expanded my role into some of our other sectors as well and focusing on our, our go-to-market for our new products. And prior to that, I was at NBC Universal for about eight and a half years, leading marketing for one of the brands, as well as some other companies. So you have global in your title and you are probably one of the most well-traveled people <laughs> I've ever met. So, you know, what, you know, cause you really do have a global perspective on, on some of the technology and, and how, uh, you know, VR in particular has evolved. Um, so, so what are some of the trends that you've been seeing sort of pre pandemic and then how has that shifted post pandemic? Good question. So, well, pre-pandemic in virtual reality, we were seeing a lot of focus on training and, you know, the areas we were focusing on were the use cases around learning, collaborating, creating, and connecting. And the, the, in, particularly in the industries or in the use cases for our training, location-based entertainment, product development, architecture, engineering, construction, healthcare and education. And what we've seen during, during the pandemic and you know, through the pandemic is great, great acceleration of interest in all of, in, in all of those use cases. So in learning, you know, throughout this time, we've seen in, in many areas about 80 to 90% of students are no longer in classrooms and educators are not, are not in classrooms. We've seen that 30 to you know, a quarter to a third of workers think that they will be working remotely even into next year. And throughout that, you know, the businesses and organizations still need ways to connect, to collaborate, to train, to teach. And, and, and we, so we've seen VR really taking a prominent role in that and, or, or a, a larger role, an accelerating role in that throughout this time. I think that's interesting. I think you're right. I think, you know, a lot of companies, especially those who were already maybe in kind of POC and a very early pilot stage have now sort of fast tracks and acceleration and, and deployment. 
Um, and you have uh, a beautiful new headset out as HP, not you personally, but... <laughs> Um, and I had tried the first reverb, which was was a beautiful piece of hardware. But this these next uh, kind of two versions are pretty incredible. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure, sure. We have the HP Reverb G2. It is a new headset that we've created together with Valve and Microsoft. It's our third headset with Microsoft and our first headset with Valve. We are really, really excited about it. The enthusiasm for it and the interest in it has been incredibly strong. Uh, there, there's a couple of things that make it so special, you know, why people are so excited about it. One is around the, immer the immersive quality. So the, we have these brand new lenses that are designed by Valve. You know, Valve, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of the leaders in this industry, a great gaming company, but they also were pioneers in VR. Um, and most of the early headsets for the last five, six years have had some type of Valve technology or most of the leading headsets. So we're thrilled to be working with them now. Um, so the, the, the lenses have been designed by Valve. They're 2160 by 2160. But they're, brand, they're brand new. And they, um, you, they really focus on you know, the, that, that great, great uh, resolution and great visual quality. So brighter, more clarity. You know, when we hear people talk about them who've been in the headset, they say things like, my eyes feel like they're in a warm bath. My, they're, my eyes are finally comfortable in VR, or you know, people say that they're playing games again for the first time. Oh, you know, not for the first time. They're playing games that they played previously, but it feels like for the first time, it feels like a brand new experience that they may be in a game and stop and stare at a blade of grass for 10 minutes and not even realize because they're so fascinated with how good it looks in VR and they never imagined something would look like that in VR. So it's really been interesting to see that the reaction from people as they come into the headset. So, so the immersive quality is one of the, and the clarity is one of the major attributes. The audio is really great. If you, the audio is fairly similar to the Valve Index. So if you like the Valve Index, you'll like this audio. It's spatial 3D off your ear. Um, so it's more comfortable for you know, wearing for longer times. And then we, the headset is, is designed for comfort. So the, you know, more of the weight is on the back so that it feels more comfortable. You don't have that forward facing sort of drop down um, effect. And then it's relatively lightweight and the, the fat, it comes with a fabric cushion um, and there'll be you know, a, a multi-user PU leather version as well, uh, or that gaskets available in the future as well. But that, that fabric is really, really comfortable. And then, you know, it's a win Windows Mixed Reality headset. So it's inside out tracked, which makes it e you know, easy to set up and no outside base stations or anything that are needed. Um, but then you can, you, there's an easy bridge between Windows Mixed Reality and Steam that you can access to grab all your great content that's on Steam VR. That's great. And so, you know, I know that also you've, you've uh, focused on a lot of partnerships with some of the solution providers as well. Um, and I think that's one of the most important components for companies. And, and you know, and, and, and I think, you know, HP has been really smart about, you know, thinking about, you know, how are companies going to use this, not just here's a beautiful piece of hardware, have at it. You know, you're actually partnering with some really incredible solution providers. And so, you know, since our audience is largely AEC, can you talk about some of the solutions that are out there and, and maybe some use cases and or case studies with, with some of your uh, enterprise clients as sure, well? Sure, sure. And just to go back, so you had asked me about the two headsets we did. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked that's about right. one, so let me just talk about the second <laughs> one. 
And I'll answer your some of your question through through that headset as well. So that's the first the first headset that we announced, and we've we've been shipping, um, and you know, a lot more to come on that front. And then we also announced a second headset, and the second headset is called the HP Reverb G2 Omnicept Edition. And that so the so the HP Reverb G2 is targeted towards consumers, you know, using it for entertainment or gaming, and then it's targeted towards uh, businesses. The second headset is actually targeted towards enterprise and developers. And so it takes you know, a lot of the great, uh, you know, the base of the HP Reverb G2 and adds to it some sensors such as eye tracking, pupilometry, face, tra face camera, and heart rate tracking. And so that those, so it's, we, we call it a solution and so that you don't want to bring it up as you asked about solutions because it takes a hard, it's, there's a hardware aspect, there's a software aspect, and then there's the the the, um, the three the third party apps that are going to be built for it. So, you know, we add we so we talked. I just talked about the hardware. On the software side, we are building a variety of SDKs. The first one that will launch with the headset is around cognitive load. So it's really targeted for people in the learning or education space. Um, an example would be say. Uh, you know, if, if you are training on learning how to fly and the instructor would be able to look at what you're doing and see based on your reaction, you know, using the, the SDK for cognitive load, are you, you know, are you overstimulated? Are you bored? Are you freaked out? Are you scared? Are you, do you need, do we need to ratchet it up? Do we need to ratchet it down? And so that instructor would be able to offer you a much more customized learning environment. You know, when we know VR already, the VR is so great for learning that the retention is so strong. And now we're adding that customization layer on top of it. And so, so that's the software aspect. And we're gonna add additional SDKs in the future beyond cognitive load, but that's the first one that, that it will launch with. And then the third aspect is there's a lot of, there's a lot, there are third party, you know, ISVs and content creators and developers that we're working with who are creating solutions specifically for this headset. So there, you know, we're working with Thea, who's in the AEC environment. We're working with Pixo, who's in the training environment. We're working with Ovation VR, who does, who does public speaking training, as well as a, a slew of other partners. Um, and so we're really excited to see what they're going to be offering using the solution that takes that next level of, you know, of of really making VR a bit more of a two-way street and so that you can really that you can customize your experience. I think that's amazing and I've seen Ovation VR and I can I can I can imagine now that that extra layer of really sort of measuring how you're interacting with an audience are you getting nervous are you and we all have ticks <laughs> that we happen to do when we're on stage and so yeah I think that's I think that's phenomenal I know Thea well and, and Pixo very well they're they're really truly amazing. I would like to thank the team at Applied Software for supporting this episode of the Future Construct podcast. With solutions for really any modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with real world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing with a singular focus helping you achieve higher performance. 
So it's software, training, support, consulting, and custom development. Applied Software has you covered for all of your workflow needs. And BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So you can reach them at asti.com, it's asti.com. And please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Um, so, so let's kind of just talk, you know, overarching, um, again, you know, with that global perspective that you kind of gained, you know, how is the traction now? And, and so we've, you know, we've been seeing that, you know, you know, up, uptick in interest. Are you finding, you know, dif differences between, say, North America and Europe and Asia in terms of what they're focusing on and then how quickly they're, they're deploying? It's a good question. So you know, I would say, well, well, right now, you know, most of the world has different, you know, is, is dealing with the global pandemic of COVID-19. And so clearly there are certain regions of the world that have been more impacted or, or the, the time frame of where they've been impacted is different. So you know, there's, there's places that we work with where even our, our own offices have, you know, half of our engine or most of our engineering team is in, is in Taiwan or a, a, a portion, I don't think half or most, neither of those are actually accurate, but like a, a big portion of our engineering team for our VR team is in Taiwan. And they had two weeks where they couldn't go to the office. Whereas we still have not gone back to our offices and you know the, the roadmap on when we're going to go back out to our offices is is unknown, and that that's the case in in much of Europe. That's the case in the United States. So that has an impact in terms of VR in some ways. In some ways, it can propel the interest for VR, and then for other as for other parts of VR, it may it may be slowing it down. So you see some businesses that are looking for how do we stay connected? How do we collaborate? How are we using creation tools? How are we all going to go in and track, you know, doing product development or, you know, an AEC project? Okay, let's turn to VR and do it. And then maybe they'll be, still be doing it from their homes. Um, and so we see it's, it's been interesting to watch those trends. And then of course, you know, location-based entertainment, which we talked about up top a little bit. We see places that have been open this whole time practically. We've seen places that have been reopening slowly and we see places that haven't been able to open again. Yeah, and that's been, that's been interesting too um, with, with LBVR because they, you know, they have that kind of added component. There's very high overhead. Um, you know, people are nervous about going into these environments. Do you see uh, those, you know, more broadly here in the U.S., some of those opening up more quickly? Uh, I have heard of a few that have actually sort of shifted focus and become sort of training centers um, or centers where they can, you know, bring small groups of people together either for team building or small classes are you seeing that trend uh, with some of your customers? Well, we've seen, we've seen a number of different trends. So, you know, in March and April, most people are closed around the world as the world started to grapple with, you know, what is this, what is going to happen? And then we saw Europe start to reopen. And the interesting thing about Europe was that we saw that people were really interested in coming back. And that, you know, for the places that were able to reopen, their numbers were quite strong. And there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think one, you know, during those, those two months, uh, a lot of the companies kind of stopped, took, took you know, and, and, and took 
you know, looked at strategies, looked at what they needed to do. So, so shifted some operations, shifted some content, shifted, you know, the, how they talk to their audiences about, about sanitization, shifted group sizes that they would put together, um, you know, created things like contactless check-in. And so, you know, took, took that opportunity to, to really make their operations appropriate for t t today's climate. Um, and, and, but what's interesting, I think, is that VR and LBVR, you know, c compared to some of those other venues that we go to to be entertained, like a concert or, or a cinema or a theme park, you, in a way, you're almost, you're almost naturally socially distanced because of the, the limitations of throughput and because of uh, the technology. And so in most cases, you're in a group of, you know, four to eight. You're not in a group of 300 or you're not in a group of a couple thousand, uh, like, like, you know, like, like in a cinema or like in a concert or, um, you know, in a theme park or even, a, you know, a big arcade. And so in some ways they've been able to, you know, the, the, it becomes almost a, in a perceived, you know, almost a safer place and, and perceived as a safer place because a family will come knowing it's just going to be that family there. Nobody else will be there around them and they'll be able to, you know, have this great exhilarating family fun together, especially in a moment there's not, maybe there are not a lot of other things that they can be doing together. Um, and so we've seen, we've seen, you know, some benefit of that in, in some areas. Um, and then, you know, but as, as, you know, we see different spikes and, and different, different governments and, and local, local officials take, have uh, take different actions, you know, we, we've kind of seen some, some, uh, you know, so the curve's yeah. going in a different directions. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're, we're in a group and, and sometimes we, we all meet in alt space or there's other events going on, uh, you know, and we're kind of early adopters, right? I think I would call us early adopters. Do you see that, like a shift and like that tipping point coming where maybe more people are involved in these sort of social VR constructs that'll start to kind of move into enterprise? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, there, we're starting to see more and more, you know, people, and especially now, you know, come to some of the consumer events, you know, people who, who, uh, you know, had no interest in, in VR, didn't know much about VR, have, you know, bought, bought headsets to come to film festivals or bought headsets to come to Burning Man or bought headsets to, you know, which was, which was offered in, in virtual reality um, or bought headsets to exercise in VR because they can't go to their gym anymore. Um, so we see that on the consumer side. And then we also see that people are, looking for new ways, you know, there's a Zoom fatigue, right? You know, there's, there's <laughs> some level of, you know, as Noni de la Pena, the godmother of VR always says, you know, the world's not flat, why should your media be, why should your media be, right? She's, she, I, I might have butchered the way she says it, but she says something like that. The world's not flat, why should your, why should your media be? And, you know, here we are, you know, on flat screen. So there is something uh, that is really beneficial about this technology, of course, that, you know, it's, it's much more accessible for people right now. It's, um, and it's what people are more used to it, but then, there, and there, and given the expressiveness of our, you know, there, there is some level of connection that we can have that you can't have in VR. But on the other hand, in VR, 
we're not just little bobbleheads in most, in most, in most instances, right? We, we can run around, we can go off in a little group, you can have a side, side chat, you can play games, you can, you can you know, review, review your product design, you can go into a world, you can go into the new house that you're building and decide that the walls would be better off in blue or red or, or, or white or you know, wallpaper. You can decide on the marble floor and you, things that right now we aren't able to do in the real world, right? And so I think that's where VR is particularly strong. Um, it's particularly strong at creating worlds that may not exist or worlds that you don't have access to or worlds that where you know, you're using that real-time engine and you know, 3D that you wanna, you wanna change like you know, on the spot and, and have that experience. And so I think there's, there's, a, there's a consumer trend, but there's also a really strong enterprise trend that are, that are going to both, you know, both help the, this business move forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think I see that kind of converging as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm always curious about, you know, how do we replicate again, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, we don't really know when we're going back to work. And I think the one thing that we do miss and we haven't been able to replicate are those kind of water cooler moments. Yeah. And, you know, early on, you know, my team started, you know, having sort of Friday happy hours, right? Just social. Mm -hmm. you know, in the same environment that we used for our work meetings and there were whiteboards and there were ways to kind of bring in, you know, 3D objects and actually have our meetings and have sort of functional work meetings. But then we decided that we were just missing that kind of being ridiculous. We would all bring in like ridiculous assets or memes that we had seen or objects that were just sort of funny for the week where we're just like, all right, we're just going to actually have fun. Um, you know, and so, and I think it was really healthy for us to be able to still have that connection. Um, and do you see us really being able, like, that's what, to me, like, how do we solve that problem of those kind of just so little happenstance interactions? It's so interesting you say that, you know, right after we start, right after we went into COVID, our team started doing what we called VR hang. And we invited, you know, tons of people in the company, not just our VR team, to come and hang out in VR with us. And so we, you know, we went to Altspace, we went to Big Screen, we went to uh, Mozilla Hubs, we went to VR Chat, and, and many, many more. We did one of, one of our product managers retired during this time. We did his retirement party in there. We, you know, we did... A, a whole, a whole slew of events. Um, and, I'm, and I'm missing a lot of the different venues that we went to, but you know, we, we went to a whole bunch. Um, and, and there is something fun, you know, about having that, that water cooler moment that, you know, I'll, oh, I'm walking by, let me ask you a question, you know, cause when you're in the Zoom, there's, you know, there's something so, okay, you know, it's, it's usually a group, it's a bunch of people, there's, there's no side chat, there's no, you know, you can, you, maybe you chat with somebody a, a bit, but you know, everyone's a little bit on. Um, it's, it's, it's in a way a little bit artificial, right? Um, and I was, I, was, I, was on a, a, I was on a Zoom last night with a, I'm in this a group called Chief, which is, is women, women who are leaders, um, you know, coming together to, to talk about, you know, things in their lives. And, and three of them during this time period in our small group had started new jobs, new big jobs. You know, one runs a studio, one uh, is a, C a CHRO, so head of um, HR at a company, and um, I can't remember what the third one did, but so they took on these big jobs and during this time, and they've never met any of their, they've never met anyone that they work with. They've never, um, they've never met the teams, they never met their bosses in many cases, 
And in, in some cases, they're coming into teams that have all had that, you know, that had worked together and met together. And they were all really grappling with, you know, how do I, how do I create those sort of more real connections? And, and how, do I, how do I build those relationships with, you know, is it only through Zoom? Is it through Slack? Is it through, um, and what, you know, they, they all had different answers and different things that they were trying. But the, I do think there's something interesting about VR that connects you in a way where that you, you kind of feel like you've been together in a deeper way than you do in, in Zoom. Um, and Liz Rosenthal, who you know, who runs Venice Film Festival, she and I were, have, you know, been in a number of events together through this time period. And the last time I saw her, she, was, she said, I really feel like we, we hung out for real yesterday. You know, of course, she's in a different, completely different continent. Um, and, and because we were hanging out in, in VR chat. And so, you know, there's still gaps, right? You know, the expressiveness in those platforms is, is, is still early days. And, you know, that's something that you know, things like Omnicept in the future we'll be looking towards and other, and I'm sure other, other devices as well, but, you know, certainly the HP Reverb G2 Omnicept edition with facial camera, that's going to be something that probably down the road people start using for, for uh, moments like that to give that expressiveness, to give that emotion. And so I think that there's a real opportunity. I think you're right. And yeah, I, I, I think that that facial expression, I think it's coming and, and studies are, you know, have shown that when you meet someone in VR, even if you haven't met them in person, often you are actually able to recognize them when you meet them in real life without even being introduced because you recognize their hand gestures, you recognize just sort of the physicality, you recognize their voice. So there's, so we're able to connect the dots to a degree. And then, you know, like you said, the sort of facial tracking where you start to really bring those nuanced expressions in I think is, 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 is going to be kind of a game changer there as well. Yeah. All right. So have you been spending a lot of time in, in virtual platforms? You know, yes and no. I actually just moved. And so I haven't set up my VR space because, you know, you need your VR space. <laughs> I haven't set it up yet. Are you in Europe these days or are you back in the U.S.? No, I'm actually, I'm back in uh, the Bay Area, but I, I moved from Tiburon down to Woodside uh, just temporarily before I go to Tbilisi in, in January. Um, so I'm excited about that. So I will be setting up, uh, I'm going to take a little bit, some time over the holidays and get my, my VR area set up so I don't break any lamps, but, which I'm excited about. Um, so I, I asked this question to everyone uh, and really looking towards the future. And I know you spent a lot of time kind of thinking about where all of this is going, but this question is more just about you personally um, looking at the whole landscape of technology and, you know, in 2030, 2040, 2050, if you could build your absolute number one gadget just for you, what would it be and what would it do? 2030, 2040, 2050. Just be one gadget. <laughs> yeah. What do I, well, I certainly am ready for my autonomous car that takes me everywhere that I need it to go but I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that will come before then. So we have to go a little bit. And, and you know, I'm certainly very excited for our smart glasses, you know, that look like the glasses you're wearing, but do everything exactly. and more that all of our VR devices do today. Um, but I also hopeful maybe that will come before then. And so what do we really need in the world? Well, I mean, this is kind of outside the realm of what we do for work, but I guess 
although in a way it's something that HP does, but you know, there, there's, I'm thinking about, you know, what, not like a Juicero or whatever, like what silly thing would make my life, you know, 1% easier every day. And, and Juicero is obviously a silly example, but you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, what, is there something along the lines of, I'm thinking like, you know, a 3D printer that would basically be able to create whatever is needed. So if, you know, you need, if somebody needs food, if somebody needs water, if somebody needs shelter, it's kind of like, it's in a way I'm creating a 3D printer that acts as a, as a genie in a bottle. So I love that. I love that. You just sort of, you know, you blink it, you blink it into existence. (laughs) So for people who, you know, they're hungry or they don't have shelter or they don't have, that's, that's what's coming to mind right now. I love that. Maybe, I love maybe that. the 3D printer has vaccines, you know, all the things we really need. Right yeah. Yeah. Well, I think actually that's coming where, you know, you can actually start to um, have a customized formula based on your own DNA and then 3D print. Exactly. The prescription. Which is the prescription. Yeah. So, and then, then, you know, and for you know, on a, on a lighter note for that, for those of us who travel all the time or used to travel all the time, like you and I, you wouldn't have to bring anything because like the 3D printer would just. Yeah. I think we both need a teleportation device for sure. Time travel. (laughs) That would be amazing. Well, Joanna, it's a pleasure as always. It's actually so nice to see you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it.